Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Better Than Before here on the C-Suite Radio Network. I'm your host, Tony Richards, your master coach. And coming up on today's program, we've got a lot of great things for you today. We're going to talk about the national days of celebration for the next seven days. Also hit a few celebrity birthdays for those same days. And the majority of the show, though, is our special guest today. I'm going to be having a conversation with Sally Loftus, and she's here today as a human resources expert known worldwide, and we're going to talk about employee compensation. I don't think you're going to want to miss this because all the employees are talking about their compensation. It used to be back in the day when I was an employee, that was something that you just did not do. That was something that was a law punishable by death almost to share your compensation with any other employee. But now employees, they talk all the time about this kind of stuff. So Sally and I are going to talk about it. And I think you're going to want to hear it because she's going to give us the latest data and the trends of where all this is going. And she testifies in court cases and all sorts of things. So she is an expert and that's coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Before we get to that, though, let's look at the coming up week and the national days we have to celebrate. Today, August 8th, is National Pickleball Day, and man, has that sport caught on. Seems like everybody's playing pickleball. Well, it's National Pickleball Day, and not only that, we don't have one of these here in Columbia, Missouri, but I'm sure we got a lot of listeners in Texas, and that is where I first had my first Whataburger was in the state of Texas. And it's National Whataburger Day today, Tuesday, August the 8th. So you want to eat a Whataburger. National Infinity Day today. It's also International Cat Day for all the cat lovers out there. It's National Dollar Day where we celebrate the American dollar. National Frozen Custard Day. National Happiness Happens Day. And National Sneak Some Zucchini Into Your Neighbor's Porch Day today. On Wednesday, August 9th, well, actually, what are the birthdays for today? On August the 8th, Dustin Hoffman turns 85 today. So happy birthday to one of the greatest actors of all time. Wednesday, August 9th, National Passion Fruit Day. It's also National Coworking Day. 
It's World Calligraphy Day, for those of you who are into that. It's also National Rice Pudding Day. And this is a day that I will celebrate. I'll be traveling this week to a client, but I will stop during my reading time and celebrate National Book Lovers Day on Wednesday, August the 9th. So celebrity birthdays for the 9th, Whitney Houston. Can you believe that it's been 11 years since we lost Whitney Houston? She died in 2012. And August 9th would be her birthday. Anna Kendrick, actress, is 37. Professional wrestler Alexa Bliss is 31. Jillian Anderson, the redheaded sidekick in The X-Files, turns 54. She also did a great performance in The Crown, playing Margaret Thatcher. Jillian Anderson turns 54 on Wednesday the 9th. Coach Deion Sanders of the Colorado Buffaloes is 55. And Sam Elliott... Acted a lot in Westerns, did some mainstream roles, too, but mostly in Western movies and Civil War movies. He's 78 years old on August 9th. Okay, August the 10th, what are we celebrating? Agent Orange Awareness Day. It's World Lion Day, National Connecticut Day. So salute to all our listeners in the state of Connecticut. National Shapewear Day. National S'mores Day, and it's also National Lazy Day on August the 10th. Celebrity birthdays, my fellow racer, Ja Morant, who went to Murray State University, now plays in the National Basketball Association, turns 23 on the 10th. Antonio Banderas is 62 years old. It was popular the year I was born. But the first time I ever heard Be My Baby, produced by Phil Spector and done by the Ronette Sisters, and the lead singer, Ronnie Spector, who later married Phil, she died last year, and her birthday would have been on August the 10th. I don't know if you've seen the Netflix. Did I see it on Netflix or Amazon Prime? I can't remember, but the Phil Spector documentary about the murder of the lady in his house and all that, there's a lot of background on there about Ronnie Spector. And that I just thought that was the greatest song, Be My Baby, that I'd ever, ever heard. And I used to listen to the, on Memorial Day and on Labor Day, they would do these long, like 20-hour history of rock and roll shows on the radio. And that period where the Ronettes were so popular, I used to love it when that song would come on. Jimmy Dean, yes, the Sausage King, would have turned another year older on August 10th as well. And we lost Jimmy in 2010. He's been gone 13 years. August 11th, we have Play in the Sand Day. For those of you who still have vacation coming up, it's also National Raspberry Bomb Day, National Sons and Daughters Day on August 11th, and it's also National Presidential Joke Day. And I'm just going to leave that right where it lays. Sir Mix-a-Lot, remember him, the rapper? He's 59 on August 12th. August 13th, we have National Spirit of 45 Day. National Left-Handers Day for all the Southpaws in the audience. It's also, mm boy, National Filet Mignon Day on uh, the 13th. And birthdays, Fidel Castro, 
would have had another birthday on August 13th. We lost him in December 2016. DeMarcus Cousins, who played basketball at the University of Kentucky and now plays in the NBA, turns 32. Boogie Cousins, happy birthday on August 13th. And maybe, perhaps, my favorite film director of all time, and I've got a bunch of them. I am a huge fan of film noir, and one of the best film noir films ever is Suspicion by Alfred Hitchcock, who passed away in December of 1980, but gave us a library of fantastic films. August 14th, what are we celebrating? Well, it's National Navajo Code Talkers Day. It's World Lizard Day and National Creamsicle Day, all on the 14th. And also, happy birthday to Myla Kunis from That 70s Show and a bunch of movies over the last few years. She's 39 on August 14th. Halle Berry, one of the most beautiful women in the world, turns 56. And Tim Tebow. Played football at the University of Florida, played a little bit in the NFL, and is now on television analyzing and talking about NFL games. He turns a mere 35 on August 14th. Well, that's the days we're celebrating for the next week, and those are the birthdays. We're going to go now to uh, my conversation with Sally Loftus. So excited to have Sally Loftus here today. She's the daughter of teachers, innovators, and visionaries who taught her from a young age to deeply listen to everyone in her circle of influence. Starting with activism in high school, Sally volunteered and worked in spaces so that all people feel seen, heard, and represented in her work. Sally is the managing director at Loftus Partners, a 100% woman-owned human resources consulting firm located in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. Loftus Partners specializes in strategy, people, facilitation, and pay justice. Since launching in 2020, August, Sally and her firm have worked with 54 clients across three continents. She serves as a faculty member for the Center for Trauma-Resilient Communities, and lead consultant for two justice-driven consulting firms, Wayfinding Partners, Washington, D.C., and Brooke Graham in London, England. She is also a certified appreciative inquiry facilitator. Did I get all that kind of right, Sally? Yeah, it always sounds like a really long list. Thank yeah. you. Oh, that's okay. I mean, when people read my bio, I'm exhausted. I mean, I'm like, I got to take a break. I got to take a break. I'm worn out just listening to it. Definitely. But, but I mean, you're an expert and uh, mm -hmm. you've had a lot of experience. Tell me a little bit about growing up. I mean, we talked before we went on mm -hmm. the show about the South and, you know, I'm from Kentucky and you're from Tennessee. All right. The volunteer state. So when did you first think a little bit about this might be your path for your career? That's always a great question because it goes back to so much, I think, in how I grew up and how I was socialized. So I grew up in Middle Tennessee, just south of Nashville, as you can probably tell from my accent, mm -hmm. and had a mother that was a teacher for a nonprofit school. And then also grandparents that also served as primary caretakers who were always kind of working in the margins of the community with like meals on wheels and taking sick people to appointments and visiting nursing homes, things like that. And so 
I was kind of brought up in a service atmosphere and in places where people were volunteering or maybe being paid less to support the agency that they were working for so they could serve more clients. So I had that example growing up and then pulled through. And then when I was in college, decided to go into human resources just because the business classes really appealed to me. I actually started as a marine biology major, which is always funny when you say that coming from a landlocked state. But, you know, I took a business class, fell in love with business classes and decided to get into human resources because I love working with people. And so I've had this career for the last 25 years in human resources where I've been able to kind of work behind the scenes and really at the strategy level with the C-suite and business owners around how do we really kind of look at who we employ, how we retain them, and how do we create a meaningful environment. And so pay is a key component of that. And it has really come to the forefront lately. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Tennessee, as well as Kentucky, are landlocked states. However, we have some big old lakes, man. As a matter of fact, I have a condo down on Kentucky Lake. So I'm sure if you wanted to put your expertise, (laughs) there would have been at least some living laboratories there you could could have worked with. So tell me the definition of pay equity. Absolutely. I'll tell you my definition, and there are some different definitions. So you might hear terms pay equity, pay parity, which really are addressing whether people in the same job are getting paid equal amounts based on kind of the experience and skills they bring to the job. And then also there's a level of that throughout the organization. So it may be whether or not people in the same jobs across departments are really kind of being paid equally. It can be a real complex issue once you start working on it, but really applies to everyone in the organization. Let me ask you this. I'll give you a fairly common example that I Mm -hmm. see in coaching execs is that they will recognize a high potential person that might be Mm -hmm. three levels down. Mm -hmm. So they decide hey, I want to give this person more accountability and more ability to affect the organization and drive more results. Mm -hmm. They promote them up a couple of levels. Down at the three-level place, their comp was, let's say, much lower, Mm -hmm. but they have trouble giving them a big chunk all at one time. Do you find that too? Oh, absolutely. Like in that example, that person could going up those two levels could double what they were making. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Theoretically, but they experienced this pain of executing on that. And is there a thought process or a cure for that pain? Well, there's several things kind of baked into what you were saying. And that's a great example. Thank you for sharing sure. it. One is, is the person ready to come up a couple of levels? So there's like a skills, behavioral competencies if the organization has that, like what are all the things they need to be successful? And is the company willing to invest into that? So that's not just money, but that's training, coaching, mentoring, things like that. So that's one piece because as you have probably seen, too often people will get promoted up those couple of levels and then be out within a year because they weren't coupled alongside what they need. So then there's a compensation issue, right? So, you know, you should pay people for the level of work they're doing. And so what happens is if you don't bring that person up to par with everybody at that level, then they're going to start seeing their salary almost decrease over time because they're not growing at the same rate as everyone else. Well, one 
One frustration they have also that I've seen is that they are hiring people making more than them at, is a at, a, at a level lower than them. That has been a huge issue. I think one, there's been a history of that, right? But especially in the last three years with the job market, what we've really seen is that frontline people have gotten, which they needed, have gotten a lot of raises and kind of that entry level pay has gone up. And then also like high level executive pay has gone up, but everybody in the middle hasn't seen that. And so there's a lot of what's called salary compression happening in the job market. So people are having to leave their organizations to get more money because people are only increasing pay by three or 4%, which is not keeping up with really what's happening in the economy. And is that a cost issue for most organizations? Is that the pain from bringing those salaries in line? I would say most people would say it's a cost issue. I think one piece of it is really trying to look at, you know, the workplace has changed so much in the last three years. I mean, there's, you know, remote, hybrid, people can work for companies all over the world. There's a lot of people leaving big sectors like education and healthcare and coming into maybe a corporate space. So there's been a lot of reshuffling. Also, it's kind of turned more into an employee's world. It used to be that the employer had kind of the final say on a lot of things, but employees have gained that power and momentum. And so from an organization standpoint, if I'm a leader of an organization, I've got to say, okay, I know that turnover is really high across the industry right now and engagement is decreasing. How can I maintain and potentially grow my workforce in a way that's meaningful for the company, right? And profitable, but also in a way that's meaningful for employees so they'll stay. And that kind of combination looks a little different these days. I know inflation has played a role because employees come in and they say, look, I can't afford my groceries or my gas Mm -hmm. or my living expenses because all of a sudden I was paying for things at 3%. Now I'm paying at things at 6 and 7%. And Mm -hmm. so I need to have double the comp because everything costs me twice as much. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a fear then of the people making the decision of, especially if they've been around for a long time, they've seen these things come and then cycle out. And I think Mm -hmm. their fear is, okay, when inflation goes back down to two and 3% or maybe even 1%, now my salaries have all increased inflated and how do i deal with that because customers are paying less for my product or service and now my margins are all gone do you see people getting laid off or do they get dismissed or whatever when people get caught in a trap like that that is such a great question and i tell you i could talk about inflation for an hour but i'm not going to but i will just say well you'll have to come back Yeah, exactly. Because it's a fluid situation, you know. It is. And as interest rates are increased, you know, kind of one of the approaches is that the target is for the economy to be at 6% unemployment, right? And we're at three, between three and four right now. So yes, layoffs at some point will happen if that's what some of the government measures are. When it comes from an organization, what I see happen, you know, kind of going back to my middle Tennessee roots, I grew up going to Opryland, the theme park, right? And Oh, yeah. The arcade, I remember playing Mm whack-a-mole. I don't know if you remember this, but what? Absolutely. (laughs) 
Hey, right. I go back when the dimmer switch was in the floorboard. So I, I oh, I love it, <laughs> love it. I, I've been to Opryland. Uh, I was there the year it opened. Oh my gosh, we had season passes every yeah. year. It was yeah. so fun. But yeah, I think I was 12, um, 12 or so when it opened. But yeah, pour go ahead. one out for Opryland theme park. But I will say, you know, I think about like the game I used to play, Whack a Mole, mm -hmm. right? Where you're just like chasing this mole who's popping up and you're trying to hit it down. And so often organizations have played whack-a-mole with salaries. And so they've been like, okay, this person's about to leave. So we're going to hit them with more money and we got to raise pay for frontline. And, and so like people are playing whack-a-mole and what's happened is there's all these different levels within an organization and they don't make sense. And it's also created a level of financial instability for the organization because they don't have a kind of a cohesive strategy around that. And so you might have like, for instance, a department that becomes inflated, or you might have frontline that becomes inflated. And then, like I said, you know, your middle tier are having compression. And so I have seen organizations, the ones I work with talk about, like, how do you raise wages, but not to the point where you're pricing your people out of the market too. For instance, like, are you pricing them? You know, if you want to be best in class and you pay best in class, can they never leave your organization because they could never make as much mm -hmm. as they make with you? Because that's like golden handcuffs, right? It's really about kind of looking at the strategy level and thinking about how do we want to raise pay or manage pay in a way that balances profitability with also a way that's kind of a systematic piece of raising pay so that we don't have that whack-a-mole approach. Yeah, that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Oh, yeah. So there are a couple of organizations you're involved with, and it sounds mm -hmm. like you're also involved with a law firm. So yeah. there are legalities mm -hmm. around pay these days. And talk a little bit about that. Like pay transparency is a phrase you hear a lot. So educate us on that. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some pay transparency laws that have been passed in cities and states and maybe some territories. So people might be familiar with one in New York City, Colorado. There are other places in California. They vary based on the location, FYI, because some of them are basically, if you're posting a job opening, you have to share what the salary range is. That can be based on the number of employees you have, how big your business is, where you're located. So there's definitely some specifics within there, but it's really about just kind of giving people up front an idea of what a job will pay rather than getting down to the final interview and then finding out and it's not a fit and things like that. A couple of things I've seen. One is that people are posting like these big job ranges. You know, there was an example of, I think it was like Netflix in New York that did like this job they posted that was anywhere from 90,000 to 900,000. Well, that's not helpful. Um, like they were compliant, but nobody knows what that is. The other piece is that what happens is I see a lot of organizations becoming legally compliant, but then posting salaries and people who are working in that organization then go out and look and realize somebody maybe working at the same level as they are are going to get paid more than them or maybe not, maybe lower, whatever. And you're starting to create some distrust in the organization and employees are starting to ask questions. So it's really important to kind of get ahead of the curve on that. And that's something that's hard to recover from. When you have trust established and then all of a sudden it's decreased or broken, 
That's a hard bridge to put back. Let's talk a little bit about hybrid cultures and workforces. Mm -hmm. And this was something that was progressing in the workplaces. And then COVID really accelerated it, of course, due to safety reasons. But I think it's pretty much something that's here to stay. So is that the way you read it, too? Yeah, absolutely. I think we go through waves where companies really want their people to come back to work. Like, I think we're going through a wave of that right now. But yeah, I think hybrid is how we're going to be. What are the reasons you hear the most that they want people in the building? I think it's about really having face-to-face relationship time. Mm-hmm. I really think that's what it is. I think it's also around culture. So thinking about the conversations you might have if you're working For instance, I'll think like a cubicle environment, right? You're kind of walking around and you're both at the vending machine, you know, or both at the coffee shop getting something, missing those conversations that happen spontaneously and help build relationship, but also help potentially bring out a new idea or, Mm -hmm. you know, a new connection that's really helpful for the business. So it's around collaboration and innovation and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. How have you seen companies engage when they have had the hybrid and they do have remote workers. How have you seen the best practices for keeping those remote workers involved? There are a lot of best practices out there. I think one thing is to think about scalability. So depending on the size of your company, all of that's going to look different because, you know, you can be like a company that has a million workers, but you're always trying to kind of create this small community environment. So that's always a balance. So what I've seen for people to do hybrid well, one is really understanding why they're doing it and how they're going to do it. So for instance, if it's hybrid, is it that people are coming into the office two days a week? I've seen some organizations where they fly everybody in quarterly and, you know, it's like organization of 10 or 15 people. So really figuring out how it's going to work and being upfront with people Mm -hmm. about what that's going to entail and getting employee feedback. And then I think also it's a different management skill. The things I'm seeing come out for supervisors that are really important right now is really building personal connection with your employees, not saying you got to be best friends with them or anything, but, you know, I mean, building a relationship that's meaningful because we were able to kind of see in each other's living rooms and see the people in our houses and understand a little bit more about each other when we were able to work remote. And I think people connected to that. Yeah. Also, people felt a level of autonomy over their work. So one is like what hours they worked, what they were measured on, you know, things like that. So I think between the personal connection and autonomy and getting employee feedback, those are kind of three critical pillars to doing hybrid well. The two companies that I was in charge of, our corporate staff was really small, somewhere between six and eight people. Mm -hmm. All the rest of the people were out there in various locations, right? Now, they were all back in that day. They were all working together. But to me, they were all working remotely. Mm -hmm. So in order to have my relationships with the general manager or the sales manager or the operations manager, I was on the road going to them all the time. Or we were on the phone or it never entered my mind they weren't working just because I couldn't see them. Because as long as the reports were coming in, which were showing the results of their work and all that, I had no reason to believe they weren't 
networking. And I think somewhere in the back of baby boomer generation managers' minds, Mm -hmm. if I can't see you, I don't know if you're working or not. And that is, to me, a mindset you got to work constantly to get out of your head. Isn't it, though? I feel the same. I really resonate with what you said, because one of my first jobs was with a national bank. And my job was a nationwide position. And so I literally spent my time traveling all the time to see our employees. We had about a thousand employees. And so I would just fly to all these places, touch base with this. It was like operations centers, you know, touch base with operations center, go walk the floor, just talk to people. And although they were all together, it was kind of, you know, I mean, we all worked in like different locations Mm -hmm. and things like that. And so you did, you're right. You did have to kind of make this intention of how do I build connection beyond just a phone call back then it was conference calls, right. You know, versus zoom. And like I said, it is, it's kind of a new skill of like, how much do I trust my employees and how much of that is me and how much of it is them? Well, unfortunately, For people who are wired with a specific driving behavioral configuration, Mm -hmm. they tend to, and I was one of these people, I had to fight it all the time. If I didn't understand or get an update, my assumption was it's not moving forward. I called it hallucinating. Mm -hmm. I would hallucinate that projects and initiatives were not progressing if I hadn't heard anything. Like if an email wasn't coming or somebody wasn't saying, hey, this is what we did this week, the automatic default was, well, I guess that's not moving forward. And that wasn't true at all. You know, it was just me hallucinating, if that makes sense. That is such a great example. And it kind of brings up like proactive communication is really important. And even think about like, I find, you know, employees when they don't hear from their supervisor start hallucinating, like I'm going to get fired or they're trying to keep something from me. So we almost have to like over communicate based on what we used to do because we have to be more intentional. Yeah, I I was just having a coaching session with one of my clients right before we got on today. And I reminded him, I said, listen, if you don't tell them the story they're going to make up their own story. And if they make up the story, it's not going to be positive. Because for whatever reason, our minds fill in the blanks with negativity instead of positivity. Managers have to be the proactive communicators to tell the positive story. Yes, absolutely. There's one example on that is an organization I used to work for. We had just kind of a lot of communications going on. And we decided it was a group of like, you know, 65 people that kind of worked on a large campus. And so we decided to send out a weekly email every Monday morning. That was just here are the key things happening this week. If we had guests coming on or key meetings, things like that. And it really drew everybody together to kind of focus and just say, hey, we recognize you on Monday morning and this mm-hmm. week. And I was blown away by how much people connected to that. You bet. And I've seen other groups do it. And it's just really helpful. Yep. And then follow up with management by walking around or something like that, where you're just having quick water fountain conversations or in the lunchroom or whatever. Um, Absolutely. And there's got to be intention around that if you have a hybrid workforce. So if somebody's not around you, it just may be like, hey, opening your team meetings with some kind of connection point or just calling people and having a conversation with them that doesn't have to necessarily be all work related, right? It's just about connecting. 
We've been having this wonderful conversation with Sally Loftus of Loftus Partners, and man, you're going to have to come back because there's a bunch of stuff we could keep talking about. I would love that. That would be great. I got these 12 rapid-fire questions that I know you're familiar with because you listened to a couple of the shows beforehand, so you're a prepared person. I believe I've figured that part out. And then we'll tell everybody how you can get in. I'm, I'm sure after listening to this conversation, you'll want to contact Sally and you'll have uh, questions and thoughts that you'll want to talk to her about. And we'll tell you how you can do that after we go through these 12 closing rapid fire questions where we're going to learn a lot about her in a short amount of time. So, Sally, what is the best memory that immediately comes to mind for you? I will say, talking to you, as I shared earlier, you remind me of home. So my best memory, when I hear your voice, you remind me of a broadcaster that was in Middle Tennessee when I was growing up, and I used to sit in my grandparents' living room, and we'd listen to the radio together. Oh, wow. Were they in Nashville? or They were in Columbia. Columbia. They were in Columbia, mm-hmm. Tennessee. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, what a coincidence. I'm in Columbia, Missouri. So. Uh, right. Who's the number one hero in your life? Gosh, it's really hard to come up with one. But I'm currently idolizing Dolly Parton because she is an incredible businesswoman. I have a book that she put out, she published, that has all the lyrics of her songs. Do you have that book? Yes, I do have it. That is a lovely, wonderful book. I love it. I love taking that book off my shelf and just perusing through it every now and then. I mean, she's such a she is a master of the songwriting craft. She's absolutely incredible. Yeah, really a true visionary. And in my list of top female vocalists of all time, for sure. Oh, good. Top value you subscribe to? Kindness. Who's the most important person in your life? My life partner, my husband. Okay, what's his name? Brett. All right, Brett. Way to go, man. (laughs) What's your favorite thing in the whole world? Probably my first sip of coffee in the morning. I love morning time, for mm-hmm. sure. What's your favorite food? This is also very... I will go with the coffee theme and go with a really good latte. All right. Most beautiful place you've ever been to? Mm, the Greek islands. Mm, I've never been. It's always been on my list. I'm of Greek descent. Oh, uh-huh. so I need I need nice. to get there and check it mm-hmm. out. If you could describe success in one word, what would the word be? Impact. How do you want to be remembered? She was a kind person. I want that on my tombstone. If you could go back and talk to a younger Sally, what advice would you Mm. give her? You are not alone and it is okay to ask for help. What's your favorite sound? The ocean waves. And out of all the lessons you've learned in your life, what's the best lesson you've learned? I would say that people matter. That's fantastic. All right. So how do people get in touch with you to find out more about you or what's your website and all that such stuff? Yeah. The best way to find me is typically one of two ways. One is our website, which is loftuspartners.com, which I'm assuming you'll have in the show notes. The other way is to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I personally and my business has its page. I have a monthly LinkedIn newsletter called Fully Human Resources, which is really about people-positive approaches to management. And that's a different topic each month. And then I also send out a... I love that. Fully oh, human. You. I love that. <laughs> thank you. Um, also have a monthly email newsletter that I send out that kind of recaps some other things and is the best way to find out 
about upcoming training sessions, speaking engagements I have. So I will send all of that information for you so you can include it. Yep. I'd be glad to. And I want to thank you so much for doing this for us. And I hope our relationship can continue and you'll have to come back sometime because we got more stuff to talk about. I'm ready. Thank you. Sally Loftus of Loftus Partners. Wow. Great conversation today with Sally Loftus. I hope you learned some things. I sure did about employee compensation, what's going on now, what's coming in the future and where it may go. I can't wait to have Sally back because I think a lot of people are interested in compensation and where it's going and some of the best practices and most common issues with it. So we're definitely going to have Sally back here real soon. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards four. You can go to my website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. All our episodes of better than before are there over six years worth over 600 episodes and 20 years worth of my writing on the Clear Vision blog. And that reminds me, too, I'm going to be launching a Substack. I think I'm going to call it Tony Richards Almost Daily Thoughts. Because while I will write quite often, and it may seem like daily, I may skip a few days, but a lot of the things that I talk about here on the podcast, I can go deeper than to keep talking about it for 45 minutes to an hour. One of the things that comes to mind is the death of Randy Meisner, which I talked about last week. There are just so many more things that I could have said, but I didn't want to just continue to keep rambling on on the podcast. I try to keep it somewhere between 30 and 45 minutes every week. So you get the gist of what I want to get across to you without you having to listen to me continually go on. So I'm going to be launching a Substack blog. It's probably going to be a paid subscription for people who want to do that. It's not going to be expensive at all. It's going to be incredibly cheapo, but that will give me a chance to blog about a lot of things that aren't specifically about coaching CEOs and executives, which is what the clear vision blog on our website is pretty much about and is free. And then also I have a Monday morning memo that is my writing that comes out every Monday morning that's free. And you can subscribe to that for nothing. All you have to do is put your email address in the homepage at clearvisiondevelopment.com and you'll be signed up and you'll start to get that each week. But I can blog more about my personal likes and dislikes, a lot of my personal stuff. I can blog more about my investments and how and why I decided to invest that way and some of my investment experiences in the past. I can talk about spiritual issues and things. So it'll be a lot more of a broad hodgepodge of Tony Richards on the Substack blog. But I'll tell you more information about that as we get closer. We also have a video library of videos that I've done over the years. We called it Clear Vision TV, and we have stored all those on the clearvisiondevelopment.com website under resources for you as well. Special thanks, as always, goes to our producer, Tessa Hall, who puts this show together every week. And until I see you and you hear me again next week, I'm your host, Tony Richards, reminding you, and don't you dare forget, that everything gets better when you get better. 
you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.